Like Dan said, we're in a series called I Am. Has anyone seen the movie The Hobbit or read the book? Better yet, if you've read the book. Like, give me a wave if you've read the book. Yes, okay, because <laughs> there's this moment, if you've seen the movie, or do you guys get the gist of it if you haven't seen it, The Hobbit? It's like The Lord of the Rings, but it's before Frodo. We're talking about Bilbo Baggins, his, like, <laughs> uncle. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Frodo's uncle, Bilbo Baggins, when he was young. So if you've seen Lord of the Rings. Anyway, there's this moment, and the movie didn't nail this very well. So sorry if you've seen the movie and not the book, but the book did, because in chapter 12 of The Hobbit, sorry to like <laughs> geek you out a bit here, <laughs> uh, but um, Dan and I, were currently reading Lord of the Rings at the moment. <laughs> um, but there's this moment in the Hobbit in chapter 12. And, you know, the gist of The Hobbit is that he is named Bilbo Baggins. He lives in a peaceful town called Hobbleton <laughs> and he um, is comfortable and he gets like invaded by these dwarfs and Gandalf and they like basically <laughs> peer pressure him in to go on this adventure to find this, this treasure and to destroy a dragon so the dwarfs can live in their mountain. Again, okay, right? Just bear with me. <laughs> but the whole book, you just read Bilbo Baggins being so uncomfortable and they have to go through all these adventures there's like spiders there's um what are they called the evil guys not orcs goblins and like he he like finds the ring and he has to deal with um what's the slimy guy's name S not not Smeagol <laughs> oh is that his real name okay anyway he goes through all this stuff and they have to escape and it's this big adventure anyway in chapter 12 he faces smog the dragon, but he's wearing the ring, which is in Lord of the Rings. He's wearing the ring, which makes him invisible. And he has this encounter with Smog, so, so the dragon can't see him. I feel so nerdy saying this. I'm so sorry, but it's cool, okay, guys? It's really cool. Anyway, he faces, um, he faces the dragon, but the dragon can't see him because the ring makes him invisible. And so the dragon says, this isn't in the Bible, no. Um, the dragon's says the dragon asks him like who are you because he he can smell that there's someone there but he he doesn't he's never this dragon has never met a hobbit before so he's there going who are you where do you come from he's asking the hobbit and the hobbit in his sneaky way uh bilbo he says um riddles and he has he says these great statements where he's like i am he who has um climbed over mountains who has dealt with spiders who have escaped this have done this i am he who is friends of um friends of bears and guests of eagles and he like says all these things and it's a defining moment in the book the movie ruined it but it's a defining moment in the book because it's the first time Bilbo stands up and shows the courage he actually has inside of him he's able to identify who he is and how um, much he is able to achieve and long story short he escapes the dragon and actually no the dragon goes and destroys the town but anyway you just got to go read the book it's great <laughs> but this is what our series is it's a defining moment for all of us to pause, to stop, to ask ourselves, who, who are you? <laughs> who are we? Who are you? Like if you were faced by Smog the dragon who needed, who never met someone like you before, which none of us ever will, <laughs> but um, who would you say you are? Like, who are you? Can you answer quickly and say, this is who I am? And so uh, Pastor John introduced this series to us last week and he said, for all of us to go on a 40 day challenge, of having an I am statement that we can hold on to, repeat and declare over ourselves every day for 40 days to retrain our thoughts, to become all who God has called us to be. 
And so this morning, I'm going to talk to us about, in my experience, something that has done the opposite to me, affected my identity so much. And I feel as though we're in common ground here. You might have faced something similar because this actually happened in the Bible at the very beginning. And that's the topic of shame. <laughs> it's, we're going to talk about shame, which can rock our identity. And so if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read, so Adam and Eve have just been created. They're in the Garden of Eden. They're living a great life. They've got everything they need. They're walking with God daily. But uh, this moment happens where Eve gets tempted to eat the fruit of the forbidden tree. And um, we'll pick it up from verse 6. It says this. It says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. You know, that very moment that Adam and Eve let sin come into the world, come into their lives, their first reaction was they no longer liked the way they looked. They no longer were okay with just being in the skin God created them to be in. They, at that moment, shame came over them so much so that they sewed garments, which like, you know, I love clothes now, but... For them, they changed the way they looked in that instant. That was their first reaction. More than that, they hid from God. They were afraid of God. I mean, can you imagine being able to be Adam and Eve, walk hand in hand with God every day, experiencing the love of the Father, everything He's created that was just beautiful before the world had entered a sin and destruction. It would have been perfect and amazing and and good, and, and in that moment, they felt the need to hide from God. They felt so ashamed. You know, they felt the fear of God that He was going to come and point the finger. And, you know, if we read on, it says that the first, God said, why were you hiding? And they have this conversation. The first thing God says is, "Who?" they said, we're hiding because we're afraid. We were naked. And the next scripture, it says, um, God said, who told you that? Who told you that? And for all of us here today, we can have thoughts and lies of the enemy. And sometimes we can even feel like, is this God correcting me? Is this God like convicting me? And um, I feel the voice of God for someone here today saying that thing that you keep thinking, who told you that? Who told you that? That wasn't me. That wasn't how I created you. That wasn't how you're meant to see yourself. And so shame is a horrible thing. We feel it when we've had a bad experience. Maybe when we've done something wrong. We've crossed a line we shouldn't have. We've seen something we shouldn't have. It comes from failure. can come from a regrettable situation. It can come from rejection. It can come from many things. And it does. It changes the way we see ourselves. And lies of shame, can, lies can come from the feeling of shame, of just feeling like we're not good enough. I wrote this down. I said, where did I put it? Shame is the intensely painful feeling of believing we are flawed and therefore, therefore unworthy of being loved and belonging. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to get to the good part. <laughs> 
because I, I want to talk on this because I know for me this was a huge area that I had to go on my I am statements for to deal with. And today I really pray that as I'm speaking, even now, like let the first thing is to recognize what is truth, what is lies. And where did these come from? And I, I want you to think, even as we're speaking today, that like let God reveal to you the lies that you have believed about yourself, that He's saying, who told you that? That's not who you are. That's not who God's created you to be. When I was in my late teens, early young adult years, <laughs> back in the day, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I was like living life and it was, you know, it's fresh out of school, lot, lots of lessons learned. And unfortunately, I faced a situation where I made a lot of mistakes, did cross lines I shouldn't have and um, got hurt really badly. And there was rejection in there as well. And just, it rocked my world and in the not a good way. <laughs> and um, I was left feeling with a lot of shame. And my story is I've been raised in church my whole life. Um, got wonderful parents who are in our Sunshine Coast location. Dad's probably on the guitar today and mum's the service. They're just the best, my parents. Anyway, um, <laughs> great upbringing in this church and C3 Powerhouse. And so the shame I felt, I just feel like it, for people who are raised in church, there is a little target or no, a big target on your back from the devil to convict you with shame constantly because you grow up knowing good and knowing God and knowing the right way and sometimes the enemy can use that for evil and that's definitely my case is the constant thought I had in my head was so much shame because I just felt like I should have known better I should have known better I was like this is fine for my teenage friend that just got saved in youth two years ago but for me I should have known better and I felt so much shame inside. I became so insecure. I always felt like I had to dress the best to um, appear better than what I was feeling. I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I'm reading this because this is what I, it was so long ago now <laughs> that I wrote it in my uh, journal at the time. And, you know, no matter how good, I felt very like I was always failing because no matter how good I did at something, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt controlled because I could never be my full self. Could never feel like I could share properly. There was always something hidden. Felt like I was being blackmailed. Made me feel like I wasn't good enough. I felt unworthy to do anything for God. I felt like if only people knew I don't deserve this. And this is what shame did. And you know, in this season, I had a friend who um, isn't in church. And she knew what I was going through. And she went through a similar thing. And she said this, I'll never forget. She said, she was like, wow, like, you know, friend came from a good heart, but without Jesus, this was her response. And she said, you know what? I've been to something similar. And she's like, you will never be the same again. You'll always feel like this. She's like, once you've gone through something like this, you're going to feel like this forever. And I remember going, oh, like stabbing my heart. Like, are you serious? I'm never going to be the same again. I'm never going to be little ebony, chirpy, who God's called me to be nerdy into the Hobbit Ebony ever again. Like I was like, wow. And um, I'm so grateful to God because that's not true. And I did come back to who God's called me to be and overcome this. And I can see now those lies were so of the enemy and so not true of who I am and who God sees me. And so I want to encourage you today as well, if you've had an experience and you just feel like, since that moment, I've never been the same again. I have hope for you today that through the Word of God and through the love of the Father, you can go back to your true self. I heard recently this quote that um, children laugh 
what was it, like 4,000 times a day or something ridiculous. Like kids laugh. It was something crazy. Like Maybe I um, exaggerated a bit. Dan can't remember either, but it was something like kids can laugh that many times a day. And this guy, it was a preacher, and he was sharing like what happened to us adults? Like where did we lose our laughter and our joy and and our comfortableness to um, life? And so I want to encourage us all that we're going to go there. We're going to go back there. And so I want to share just a few things of what helped me overcome this, what helped me get over shame and to deal with these things. And the first one is to get God's perspective. There's this beautiful story in the Bible. It's in John chapter 8. And it's um, the woman who, like, man, if I'm telling you the story for the first time, listen to this, because this is crazy. Like Jesus is in a town and he goes to the tabernacle, like church, right now, today. And he's teaching and talking to people and there's a crowd and can you just imagine it's like the buzz of the town is that Jesus is in the room and people are hanging out and um, listening. The Pharisees find a woman in the act of adultery and drag her in front of everyone and in front of Jesus and talk about shame. Like we're talking about shame that you and and I probably don't have to stand on stage and confess to everyone here today. We can kind of deal with it in our seats <laughs> um, with God this morning. But talk about this woman that gets pulled out. And, and the Pharisees say, the law says that if a woman's caught in adultery, we get to stone her and she can, she can be killed. And they did it to kind of test God, uh, test Jesus, sorry. And um, apparently they were arguing and there's a commotion and Jesus just sat on the, went down on the ground and drew in the ground. (laughs) And then eventually he got up and he said, um, the first one who has no sin, you can throw the first stone. Those who have no sin, you throw the first stone. And the Bible says slowly, one by one, each person left until it was only Jesus and this woman. And you know, Jesus is that person who has no sin. (laughs) Jesus is that person that had the right to judge. And Jesus is that perfect example that this woman um, should have been looking up to. And um, it's amazing because eventually Jesus talks to the woman and says, like, where are your accusers? Like, where are the people? And John eight eleven it says um, this. This is the woman replying to Jesus. He said, who, who condem- who's here to accuse you? And she, and she said, no one, sir, she said. And then Jesus replies with this then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I I love this heart of this is where we get God's perspective of when we do something wrong, when we feel so ashamed, like, yes, our God is just and He is good. He is our perfect example. But His heart isn't of condemnation or accusation. And He has so much more grace for you and I than we'd ever understand. And, you know, in my situation, I felt so that this was my fault. Like I felt so like, you know, down on myself. And this crazy thing happened to me is that I got a prophecy from a guest speaker and she prophesied over me and she said this crazy thing. (laughs) And she just said, like, I see someone um, being used of the devil to try and cut you down and to make you deny who you are and blah, 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 blah. And, and it was this crazy prophecy, but it opened my eyes and I felt God say, it's not your fault. Like, can you, like, I know we have a, we have, a, you know, a responsibility we need to take upon ourselves. But I often think God can see the bigger picture that it's not your fault. I felt like God was saying, you're only human. 
like I am God, you are human. I felt like God reminded me and that prophecy was, it was important for me because I have realised, oh my gosh, you're right. We have an enemy who does everything he can to one, stop us for living the life we've called to live, to do the purpose of God. And he does that by um, trying to get us to forget who we are, to deny out who God's created us to be. And that's the grace of God. And I, I, Romans 8, 1 says this. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The accusational voice we can sometimes hear is not God. It is not of God. You know, He forgives us. When we repent and we come to God, we realise where we've fallen short and we come before Him. He forgives us in a moment. It's quick. He does it. And then His heart for us is that, he has grace upon grace and he can see that it's not your fault, that you maybe you did the best you could. Maybe um, there was other things at play that go beyond your control. He forgives you. He can see your heart. He knows who you are. He is our Father. We're our children. And so today I want us to identify those things and get God's perspective of them. Can you see where God was in your situation? Do you know the heart of God? things that you are bombarded with your thoughts what does he see you as what does he see you as and in a little bit we're gonna have a moment just to wait on God and maybe that's your thing today is to get God's perspective and time for you because for me that was one moment of prophecy but it took probably a good year of me coming to church spending time with God in my quiet time in my bedroom alone and just waiting on God to hear His voice. And every time I did that, it was nothing but love, grace and compassion. Even though I felt so unworthy of it, He just poured out His perspective over my situation. And so we'll give an opportunity to do that. Uh, The other thing that we're going to work on is our I am statements is the thing that really helped me as well. Because we can get God's perspective. We can come to God We repent. We pour out our heart to Him. He forgives us. Amazing. Oh, what a relief. Sometimes we have to take the extra step and go tell someone else. That was me. I had to go talk things out. Let everything on the table, let light to the situation with a leader I trusted and people around me. That was also amazing. I encourage you to do that if you need to. Um, The second thing was forgiving myself that came with God's perspective. I realised, okay, I was just young, dumb, Ebony, I forgive her (laughs) and um, get that perspective from God, forgive ourselves. And then I, my point is this, sometimes we let God into our heart. He can come and heal our heart, but then we need to go to work on our minds. Like God has given every single one of us our own authority over our thoughts. He hasn't programmed us as robots to think exactly the way He wants us to. He gives us choice and He gives us the freedom of our mind. And so we have to go to work on our thoughts. We have to go because like I said earlier, God's perspective is there is an enemy who has you in his target, who is trying to do everything he can to make you the different to the way that God created you to be. And even though we can have God encounters in church on Sunday, Monday morning comes and the enemy's like, right, I'm going to remind you who I think you are and who you, um, the lies of the enemy. And so we have to go to work on this. We have to be diligent. Uh, you know, the Bible is full of truth of who we are. Like, how do we find who we are meant to be? How do we find who God calls us to be? It's in the Word of God. 
pages after pages of who God calls you and I to be, how He sees us. And you know, I got told this um, when I was young and I love it, I've never forgotten it, is that if God was here today and He held up this piece of paper and said, guys, this piece of paper looks white to you, well, it is um, red. This piece of paper is red. This piece of paper would physically have to turn red because God can never lie. Like this physical thing would need to um, form itself to what God says because He can never lie. That's how powerful His Word is. When He says something, it is. Like there's no denying it. Things have to change to match the Word of God, not the other way around. We have to change to match the Word of God. His Word um, changes things around us. And so we have to go over this. And uh, I play piano. Anyone else? Piano players? I see that hand. (laughs) Dan, put your hand. Nah, you do play piano. <laughs> he plays YouTube piano, everyone. No, no. It's, okay, that's so unfair. He's good. Okay, he's very talented. He is. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I grew up playing piano and... Um, you know, uh, some people are really good at reading music, and that's my mum. She'll op- she won't play piano unless there's sheet music in front of her. Anyone, if you've done music, you might understand this. And so, she relies heavily on reading the music. I wasn't like that, and I like struggled to read music. I have to sit there and literally go, "Every good boy deserves." <laughs> so after five, dad becomes grumpy. You know. Um, anyway. And so the way I learned was just repetition, repetition. And uh, we can play a piece. And for some reason, I was thinking about this morning, my family, and I mean like my grandparents and my extended family would make us put on a Christmas concert every year. And like, even though we were just kids and it was with family and it's just all my cousins and auntie uncles, it was so embarrassing and so uncomfortable. And anyway, I just just didn't like it. Um, We'd have to play a piano piece every year and it was so daunting. And anyway, we'd get up there, me and my sisters and (laughs) my cousins as well, whatever their hobby was, we had to perform something with it. Anyway, you'd play like a two-minute piece maybe, maybe even one minute when I was really young. And it's just one minute and it's gone and, you know, it probably wasn't that good, but my grandparents would be like, wow, beautiful. My my grandchildren are so talented, like just (laughs) amazing. I I love my grandparents. And... um, (laughs) And you hear that in just the one minute, but without the practice of me, 20 minutes a day, and can I tell you, there was no greater arguments in our house than mom trying to get me to practice piano every morning before school, 20 minutes. It wasn't the beautiful piece you hear. It was just repetition, four bars a week, 20 minutes a day. Okay, left hand. Literally 20 minutes a day. Like it just, no wonder my mum was angry. But that's what it takes to come, to put a piece together. Eventually over time you add the two hands together and voila, you've got this beautiful piece. But it doesn't just happen like that. It happens over repetition, 20 minutes a day, every day, discipline, working hard at it. You know, our minds are quite the same. We need repetition. And some of us have had the same thought that is a lie of the enemy for years, maybe even decades. And so you really have to take hold of that and go to work to retract that thought, to retract it. And, um, you know, I would encourage us all just to have one. I'm going to share in a moment what my one scripture was that got me through that situation. I want to encourage you to have just one. 
just one that you can not have to read. You can just say it in, the, in your mind as you're going to work or as you're at work or when a situation arises. And so I'll ask the band to come join me as I'm about to wrap this up. We have to constantly remind us. I know that for me in my situation, every time I got asked, you know, I was in church, I was leading in youth, I was worship leading and that's just also tough because that's also a recipe for the enemy to try and make you want to quit or make you want to stop stepping in and stepping up to God. And every time I got asked to do something, just that thought of, oh, you're not good enough. If only people knew you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And so I needed just a quick one that I could just say in church before I got up and I had to share or do an offering or preach in our junior high service or whatever it was I needed one and so that's why I encourage you the power of having one and for mine it was this it was Colossians 1 this scripture still baffles me and I, I wrestle with even today but it has helped me overcome so much it says yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So that was my I am statement. I would say I am holy and blameless without a single fault. God sees me as holy and blameless without a single fault. And like that's such a crazy scripture and I would say it and just be like, no, I don't know about this. (laughs) Like, that's just too legit. Like, we're never going to be blameless and holy and perfect. Like, that's not who we are. But one day I felt God say, uh, I wrote it down. What did I say? I felt God say, for you to keep believing the lies of shame is for you to deny that that you believe in Jesus and that he died for you. And I was like, oh, Lord, no, that's not, that's not how I feel. But it's true. Like sometimes our heart might believe one thing, but we have to fix our mind on who Jesus is. Do you actually believe that His blood completely cleansed you of everything you've done wrong so that God can see you when He sees you? He sees Jesus in you, holy, blameless, without a single fault. And so I want to encourage you, that was my one. Maybe that can be your one today. I am holy and blameless without fault before God. He sees me as holy and blameless. I am holy and blameless without, um, before God. Slowly over time, I was able to add to it with my 20 minutes a day repetition <laughs> that I've been brought up to do. Another one I would say is I'm set apart holy, for ev- ready for every good work. Like I said, I, I battled with... Um, leading in church because that's a big one. If you feel called to leadership or to be in ministry, like this is such one, an I am, like we got to go extra hard on the I am statements because honestly the enemy will be so loud to try and get us to think we're not good enough, think we're not called. And so this was a big one for me. I'm set apart. I'm set apart. I'm holy. I'm ready for every good work. That's 2 Timothy 2.21. Another one, I already shared it. There's no condemnation in Christ, so there is no condemnation against me. By the way, this is like how I like <laughs> abbreviated it to, um, for me to declare. That's Romans 8.1. Another one, I am precious and honoured in the eyes of God because He loves me. Something about shame can make us feel so unworthy, feel yucky or just not valuable. This is what God says today, that you are precious and honoured 
We honour God, but He honours you too. Honoured in the eyes of God because He loves you. That's Isaiah 43, 4. Another one, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Another one, His mercies are new for me every day. That was one I had to go to work. For some reason, it was like the next morning I'd wake up and the thoughts would be there again. And I'd be like, oh, and I'd have to remind myself, no, today, just as the sun has risen, so has God's mercies for me. Another one, I am enough, forgiven, free and clean. I am enough, forgiven, free and clean. You know, God so loves you and I. This is why Jesus came, so that shame could not have a hold on us. And this morning, you know, I felt for someone, it's like you feel as though you've got to get everything um, lined up before you start feeling that way. And that's kind of a natural human thing for us to do, is to do everything we can in our power to hide or fix the situation. But I want to encourage you that maybe God's telling you today, just start within here and the outworkings will be easier for you. They'll be easier. Once you know who you are in God, you won't need that certain stuff or need to go to that. You can just be who God's called you to be and be confident in yourself. I feel like for some of us, we look at other people and go, yeah, they're perfect. Like, look at them. They um, got it all together. You know, that's probably some choices that they've made that has helped with that. But it's also probably maybe they've done their 20 minutes a day piano practice, one bar at a time, (laughs) repetition. I know that's my story. Not perfect, but just have gone to work on this. Man, I was so broken. I had, people wouldn't know from the outside, but on the inside, so much was going on. So, so much noise in my mind. But I thank God that today I'm preaching on this topic because this works. This actually can change how you see yourself. And therefore, I just, I felt when I was preparing this, I was like, God, there's no way I would have moved to Melbourne, been a location passer, if I hadn't overcome this. There's no way I would have felt good enough. And if I did do it, it would have killed me (laughs) because the noise and just the constant um, voice of the enemy would have been too loud for me to handle it. But thank God for the power of what He did when He died on the cross for you and I. And thank God for His Word that is truth and brings life. And so... I want you to just close your eyes this morning. I want to firstly ask here today for people that you might come here this morning for the first time or first time in a long time you've been in church or your hundredth time, whatever it is. But I want you just to ask, you know, where are you with God this morning? This all first starts, like I said earlier, we let Him into our heart. We let Him into our world and that's where He can come and take shame away. He can come and take just that heavy feeling. And I feel like someone here today, you, you do, you just, you don't think good about yourself. You might be quite upset with who you think you are. Maybe it's because of things you've done or experiences or even just words around you, what people have said. I want you to feel the love of God here this morning. He so loves you. Oh, He doesn't see you that way. He, I just feel like there's freedom for you today. This all starts though when we ask God into our heart. He won't barge in. You have to open the door. You have to let Him in. You have to open 
open up your heart even just a little bit and God can come. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask if that's you this morning, you want to invite God in. This might be your first time saying this prayer that you, you want to live with God. You want Him to come into your heart. I'm going to ask you in a moment to raise your hand. There might be someone here and you once were close with God. But if you're really honest this morning, you can feel in your heart that you're far from Him. Maybe things have come up, distractions, you've walked away. Maybe it was um, not intentional, it's just happened over time. Today, I want you to leave this place knowing that God's with you, you feel close to Him. So I'm also gonna ask you to raise your hand. Another thing is we're gonna pray a prayer all together, but the Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, that is what gives us salvation and eternity with Him. And this morning, if you wanna make sure that you have eternity with God, with your loving Father, I'm also gonna ask you just to raise your hand so that we can join together in this prayer. And I'm asking you to raise your hand, not necessarily just for my sake, but it's for you to do something physical to show God that you hear from Him, that you're responding. So if that's you this morning for any of those things, I just want you right now, just raise your hand while people's eyes are closed. You wanna respond to Jesus this morning. You wanna invite Him in. Weren't made to do life alone, we need Him. If that's you, you can feel God knocking on your heart. Just raise your hand in response to Him this morning. It's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus.